Welcome to episode 59 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched The Mandalorian Season 1. Christian watched the Oscar-nominated Little Women. And finally, we will be talking a little bit about the Oscar nominations and if we think there were any snubs. But first, Christian, you and I both finished The Mandalorian. Uh, what, What did you think of it? I liked it. I liked it a, a fair amount more than I thought I would. Yeah, same. I I did not go into this one thinking I would like it very much. I was very against Disney Plus when it was announced. I don't like the all the TV shows they're trying to make you now watch to get into the movie. So I was happy that this was standalone and going into it was not excited. But after it, I'm I would watch a season two. I I did enjoy it. Yeah, agreed. So. I think we're going to get into spoilers here on this one because it's hard to talk about it without spoiling it. And also it's yeah. been out for a while. So I think most people who want to see it have seen it. Let's start out early. I I think that this series is basically separated into two parts. It's all the parts involving Baby Yoda and him being tracked and then two other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> or three other episodes, I guess. Yeah, there there definitely is like a main arc, but then there you've got some standalones in there to kind of uh, like add some variety. Yeah, and what really hooked me about this from episode one into two is this did feel like a western. You know, like Star Wars was originally supposed to be sort of a space western to some extent, and like with the music they had in this, like I was definitely getting major vibes of. For a fistful of dollars or a few dollars more or, you know, the Clint Eastwood uh, Spaghetti Western trilogy with the good, the bad, and the ugly. With him just coming in, doing a job, and then leaving. And, and the music itself was just spot on for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I think that was the, like, the goal here was to make a kind of space Western. Yeah, which is funny because... You know, I think episode one might have been my favorite of the episodes, and it's kind of downhill from there. But like one episodes one, two, and three more or less go together, and then episodes seven and eight tie back to one, two, and three, and then the fourth, fifth, and sixth episodes were just standalone, like him just living his life. And I think uh, definitely me and you, I think both agree on this. Episode five, where they go to Tatooine, was by far the weakest of the season. Yeah, I agree. That was it. You know, it just felt like it didn't belong yeah so let's go through each episode what did you like about episode one i like the rancher guy i like that we came back to him a couple times he was kind of this just wild little dude with his like two-legged slug monsters oh man they look like piranha with feet to me (laughs) yeah yeah like oh yeah they were bizarre but i liked him i thought he was a an interesting like three-dimensional character which was good because usually when you have these little like side characters they're not very fleshed out but he he was yeah uh, and i'm i think the kill kill robot was in episode one right it's a little hazy yeah. if it was one or two i liked him and it was funny to see him come back later in a different role <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it i mean the end of episode one really kind of establishes our main character as having like a more complex moral compass than you would like like a boba fett right he was just like i'm gonna do what i got paid to do end of story and this guy's like uh this is a baby (laughs) and like kind of throws the kind of throws the playbook out when he realizes what's actually going on 
Right. And that's why I actually think the Mandalorian is essentially it's Boba Fett if Boba Fett had ever done anything in the series of Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, I, to be fair, I, I think him as a child does stuff in Clone Wars, but I didn't watch those. So we're going for mainline movies, and Boba Fett was like a huge disappointment. He just looked cool. Like, The Mandalorian is actually awesome. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so did you, so I, I'm with you. The I think my favorite part of Episode 1, and I think Episode one's probably my favorite, was, like I said earlier, it, it really felt like a Western. Going into Episode 2, did you like this one? It was fine, I guess. Like they they chase some Jawas. Uh, he fights a like a woolly rhinoceros. Um, Baby Yoda gets to use the Force for the first time, but like it just kind of felt filler. Like the entire the entire sequence about him chasing Jawas, it kind of led nowhere. Like at the end, he just got his ship parts back and took off, and like n- nothing in that sequence really seemed to be of any consequence. Uh, so there's two things I want to say about the Jawas. One I think is more funny. Are Jawas just like a disease that infests a planet because they're on <laughs> Tatooine and then they're just randomly on this planet? <laughs> you know, like this planet has Jawas. Stay away. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other one, like I agree it was kind of filler, but I did like that we saw the Mandalorian try and scale this thing and fail because normally when <laughs> you watch Star Wars stuff, you just see the, like, the Jedi do these amazing things. And even if he is a good bounty hunter... It shows that he has limits. Like, he's just one guy. He can't withstand all the toasters that were being thrown on him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, like, you do kind of see the, the might of, like, the jaw, the, the, the jaw was in numbers. Like, they're just these little goblins. But when there's, like, 600 of them, there's still not much you can do. <laughs> My favorite part of this episode was at the end when they get the egg and the jaw was, like, crack it open. And it's essentially just, like drugs to them like they're just bathing in it and they're all going crazy that was the weirdest part of the entire series i think yeah so this this episode was fine like i didn't really have any problems with it it just it didn't really stick with me uh okay so moving on to episode three uh would did you enjoy this one? Oh yeah the like cleaning house at the stormtrooper like locale it was great he really, like, you finally got to see, like, real actual combat as opposed to just, like, a quick shootout at the OK Corral or something. Like, he went into that compound and just, he went ham on them. Right. This is, I think, other than the last episode, the most action-packed episode just because of the, well, maybe episode four has more. But just the the big battle at the end of the bounty hunters versus the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. I mean... These guys have... Do they not all wear Besker armor? Because I thought that they did, but maybe that's not the case because I don't see how they end up losing in the later episodes. Yeah, it seems like you have to earn it because, like, he doesn't have Besker armor at the beginning. They, they like, once he... Uh, once he delivers all that metal to them, then that's when she makes him, like, a full suit. Yeah. But some of them have jetpacks. Also, after that, you think they would have they would have ran, and they just like stayed there. Well, that seemed like that's what they were gonna do because he says something to them like, "You've revealed yourselves. You'll have to leave." And they're like, "That's fine. We'll find a new place." And then they just, I guess, don't. Right. So, or maybe they don't get a chance. As much as I like this, I think there are some parts that don't make a ton of sense, and I think it starts getting more glaring towards the later episodes. Yeah. 
so I I I, th- I did like this episode though because, like you said, like uh, the Mandalorians. He's a more complex character than I think we're used to in the Star Wars universe, and at this point, you're sort of unsure if Baby Yoda is going to be the focus or not. Like you think it will, kind of like a, you know, like it's. I was getting vibes of like a samurai with a kid going around the countryside, you know, protecting him. Yeah. And I didn't know if they're going in that direction or not. So it was nice to see them actually go in that direction and and pay like homage to the roots of the westerns, and then also further back like the japanese films a lot of those were based off of mm-hmm. yeah i and i i like the like the villain in this i mean i guess he's he's not ultimately like the final villain but like the the guy that you meet and you assume he's going to be the big bad is just like an ex-imperial officer and he looked i swear to god i thought it was jeffrey rush yeah. And, and, but he, when he spoke, he sounded like Christoph Waltz, and then I just really wanted it to be Christoph Waltz because I thought he would be amazing. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It was someone I've heard of before. Um, do you remember who it was? I got it right here. It's oh, it's it's Werner Werner Herzog. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I liked him. I actually wish they would have chosen him as the ultimate bad guy instead of who they well. Who they end up with going with is good. It's Gus from uh, Breaking Bad, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a good actor. It's just I, I did like Werner Herzog being like this weird, creepy dude. <laughs> okay, so moving into episode four, it, I think this is uh, one you're going to speak highly of. What did you think of this one? Oh, yeah, this is the best episode in the series to me, for sure. Like, by uh, a mile. Why is that? I, it's... So, I mean, you you had brought up Westerns. This is a very Seven Samurai episode, which is then was later adapted as to The Magnificent Seven. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's been adapted into so many other Seven Samurai Magnificent Sevens. I mean, Sevens, Star, but... Star Wars itself, it, well, not Seven Samurai, but Star Wars itself is somewhat based off of another uh, Akira Kurosawa movie, The Hidden Fortress, which is... You know, all of those things have very similar features, so it's all very uh, incestuous here a little bit. Yeah, like, this, I love The Magnificent Seven, like, the original, and th- that's that's just what this was to me. Like, oh, it's a, a little, it's a little fishing village, and they're being plagued by bandits, and the Mandalorian and Cara Dune have to roll into town and save them from the bandits and, like, train them to, to be fighters. Oh, uh, it was great. Like, this... I watched episodes one, two, and three in one go, and it didn't, like, grip me. And then I watched episode four, and I was, like, 100% in. And I was so excited to watch the rest of the series. And, like, it was still good, but I felt like it was all downhill from episode four. Uh, So what I really liked about episode four was uh, you actually got to see the havoc in AT... Like, a single ATSD can wreak on just troops that don't really have heavy artillery Mm -hmm. because in the movies you see them fighting like the hoth fighter the snow fighters i forget the name on hoth or you see uh, (laughs) or you see you see them getting cartoonishly like their head (laughs) smashed in by two logs in return of the jedi yeah so they pretty much just seem like useless machines but then they actually are like oh no those things are really dangerous yeah Uh, so i like seeing that in action they make a comment about how like there's nothing on the planet that they're on right now that can penetrate the armor or the the that can take down the legs or something i was like 
Ooh, yeah, these these are maybe more formidable than they've been made out to be in the past. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing I was thinking the whole time while that was going on, there was like, dude, a race of Ewok bears <laughs> took down multiples of these with like some vines. <laughs> like, yeah. You guys could do something. <laughs> But yeah, I just I really like the Seven Samurai vibe that that this one. I I love Cara Dune. I was super happy that she came back later. I was gonna be real disappointed if they just used her as a one off. Uh, so what I did like about the show too, speaking of Cara Dune, was them introducing a couple characters who you're kind of like, yeah, I think they're going to come back later. So I did like that. Where like even though it's a short series by episode seven, it's just so we're getting the band back together type episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to episode five this is i think the weakest episode of the season uh did you like this one yeah it was it was fine i I agree i do think it's the weakest of the season like it was very predictable yeah i i number one it seemed like it was very fan servicey for him to go to tatooine Mm -hmm. and then go to mos eisley like just get some new planets we don't need to keep going back to that planet i mean it's been in every trilogy at this point yeah and so i did not like that it was cool seeing the speeder bikes but the story seemed completely inconsequential to me yeah again it was it seemed like i mean i know they introduced Cara Dune in four but like four is mostly filler too but it was just so fun for me but five just wasn't really that fun like like you said like it seems fan servicey like they they were like oh we gotta cash in on like at least a little bit of nostalgia send him to tatooine and make him have an adventure right the most interesting thing i saw in the episode was i'm pretty sure the droids when he landed in most eisley were the pod racer droids yep. which i don't think have appeared past episode one in anything yeah i think you're right they were the pit droids it's- Right, like, pod racing was never talked about again, so at least they're somewhat acknowledging that actually was a thing. (laughs) All right, moving on to episode six, and as a standalone episode, this actually might have been one of my favorite ones. Um, I really liked that this one essentially went from a heist to making the Mandalorian the Predator. (laughs) Oh yeah, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> like the one shot where he's hunting the one guy with the robot arms for guns, where it's just blinking, light off, like dark, light, dark, light, dark. I thought that was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this was a fun episode. It, it like I like them introducing like the rogues gallery of people. Like the, oh, like this universe is like scummier than it's been made out to be in the past. The, the closest we got to seeing that, I think, was in Attack of the Clones, where uh, Anakin gets offered to buy drugs by a character named Elan Sleazebagano. <laughs> and I, I feel, Did he really? I, yeah, I, I think they were called Death Sticks, and his name is never mentioned in the movie, but it, it's definitely <laughs> canon as his name was Elan Sleazebagano. It's in oh one of like the gosh. novelizations or something. <laughs> but like it, it seems like he would have hung out with this group of people. <laughs> yeah. The man, I in this episode though, I could not stand the Twilights, and also Twilight like males look really weird in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the costume or what. Like the dude they had that they're rescuing from prison, 
it just looked like bad makeup or a bad mask or something to me yeah i'm with you it was something was a little off but i overall like like i said this might have been one of my favorite standalones it i also like that they for the whole series they emphasize the mandalorian hates droids for some reason i think to build tension for episodes seven and eight but they never explain why he hates droids didn't didn't droids kill his family or something well you're right it was during the clone Wars, so maybe that's why he hates droids but yeah okay well you just answered my question right <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty sure there there was those the like the super battle droids that had like the the full body silver armor and stuff. Yeah, and then the, the Mandalorians uh, have the wrist cannons. And, yeah. Ugh. Okay, well that makes more sense then. So he got to kill a lot of droids. Oh yeah, it was it was very satisfying. Like the, that entire episode was satisfying. Like even how he handled the the like the various people that he was trapped there with. Yeah, I love the ending when when he just, you know, I was like, oh, they're going to get the jump on him. It's like, no. And then the the Republic bombers come out and just blow up the space station. <laughs> and I did think that he was going to have some kind of an issue. And I mean, I guess he would have if the X-Wings hadn't shown up. But he got off that ship and the, the guy in charge is like, where's the rest of my team? And he's like, you said no questions, right? And the guy's like, yeah, I did say no questions. <laughs> And like that's kind of the end of it and i was like oh okay these people really suck yeah all right and then finally i think we can talk about episode seven and eight because they're so closely entwined i think they should be one episode did you like how the season one ended yeah it was it was pretty cool like i said if, if four hadn't been like so up there for me these probably would have been my favorite episodes they were very very fun yeah, this really was like we're getting the band back together to go fight the bad guys because they had Caradoon, they had Jin, I cannot remember, the guy from the first episode's name, like the dog face guy, and then Carl Weathers even joined the team, joined the team for this. Carl and, Weathers, of all the people, you know, of all the people they could have just like pulled out of the ether to come do a Star Wars movie, but you know, it works so well. <laughs> Oh, he he was great in this series. Yeah, I I didn't know he was in it until the first episode, and I saw his name in the preview or in the like the opening credits, and I was like, absolutely not, because the only thing that I can really like put a face to Carl Weathers was the episodes of Arrested Development he was in, where he just cons Tobias into giving him a bunch of money to teach him acting. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. I, I guess if that's your only, he's a, he's Apollo Creed and Rocky, so that's what I think of. Okay, as. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I forgot who's interested <laughs> development. Uh, I think I liked episode seven better than eight. I think eight started verging into fan service again, starting off with uh, the assassin droid coming in and just taking out a fourth of the stormtroopers in <laughs> in that place. And like eight just left so many questions. Number one, like, so they killed all the Mandalorians, but this one lady, but she's still running a forge somehow down there. Uh, and then the, there were only like 16 stormtroopers left for the battle droid to blow up and kill. I, I don't know. Just a lot of stuff at the end that I did not, I really liked episode seven and I was hyped for episode eight. And then I was a little bit disappointed by eight. Yeah. I mean, I guess they had to leave. Yeah. I mean, they had to write their way out of it some way or another, and they had to leave right. some stuff unanswered so that you would be ready for season two. 
I wish also that I get why they do it, but I wish they wanted to show the Mandalorian's face. I wish they would have cut to black if for him to let the droid heal him instead of us seeing what the Mandalorian looked like. I'm kind of with you. I was really hoping that at some point this season he would take his mask off. Yeah. And I did like uh, the, I did like the way they worked around it. I thought that was clever. Yeah. Um I I did think him getting the jetpack was cool though at the end. That was awesome. Yeah, agreed. And, I and also, him not being like super proficient. I was gonna it. say I also like that it's like you said about episode two where he, like he's not good at everything. He puts that jetpack on, and the, even the lady was like, "It's gonna take you a long time to learn how to use this." He's like, "Yeah, I know." He puts the jetpack on. He's immediately he's like, "I got this," and then is not good right. at it at all. One of my favorite lines from this season is episode three where he's flying and he sees the jetpack and she's like, "Man, I gotta get one of those." <laughs> Such foreshadowing. Yeah. So overall, uh, would you recommend our audience check out season one of this? Yeah, I would. Um, it, I got charged for Disney Plus like yesterday, and I was going to cancel it today. So I've got it for another month. Um, but I, I don't think that this show was good enough that it makes me say, oh man, I should go check out all these other Disney Plus originals. But it's definitely good enough that I will resubscribe when the second season comes up. So I'm I'm torn on this. I like this. I'm not paying for Disney Plus. I'm using a friend, so it was <laughs> totally worth it for me. But I don't know if I would pay just to watch this. I after seeing it though, I am more intrigued about a couple of the Marvel properties, uh, specifically if they're still doing Hawkeye, yeah. because this was a lot better than I thought it would be. And I am going to say this again. I think it's the third time I've said it after we've talked about Star Wars uh, Fallen Order, Fallen, what is it, Jedi Fallen Order, Rise of the Skywalker, and now this. I like the side stuff in Star Wars way more than I think I like the movies. Yeah, so you you bring that up and you just brought up uh, the Marvel stuff too. This felt like going to watch like daredevil and the defenders after watching nothing but avengers movies for a long time because there's a lot of good like universe building stuff but it's all like street level ground level stuff it's not like universe ending death star drama it's just like this is the stuff that these people deal with day to day right and i find that more interesting because the movies seem to just rehash the same storylines yeah i this this was something fresh and and i i really appreciated that i i I thought the casting was great i loved pedro pascal as the mandalorian i thought gina carano was great as cara dune I, i already talked about how crazy carl weathers was um but yeah i i definitely enjoyed like a a fresh perspective on this universe or galaxy uh, before we yeah, before we move on, um, what did you think of the Darksaber at the end? It was cool. I've, I have never watched Clone Wars, but I've, I'd seen like stills of what the Darksaber looked like, and I've always thought it was pretty neat. I think you can get a Darksaber in uh, the Force Unleashed games. It was, it was interesting. I've, I felt a little bit like I felt when they showed Darth Maul at the end of Solo. So, I mean, uh, spoilers for Solo, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's like four years yeah. ago, or two years. Yeah, you never years, know. I've, I've got a couple friends that are working through the Star Wars for the first time now. But um, 
Like, I, I felt honestly like they put Darth Maul at the end of Solo, and all he does is click his lightsaber on and off menacingly, and I really right. felt like they just put that in so that they could say, like, oh yeah, there's a lightsaber in, in this one, too. Yeah, I mean, that seemed out of place, if you're not watching all the back stuff about Darth Maul. Yeah, it came out of, absolutely out of left field, and so, I don't know what, what this guy's deal is, uh, what's his so name, Gus? I... The one thing that I do agree, again, it feels like they just put it in to have it in there. The one way I think it actually sort of ties, and if I'm remembering right from some of the Clone Wars I saw, the Darksabers were originally like a Mandalorian device used to fight the Jedi. So at least there's some callback to it because I think the the main bad guy has some tie to like the Mandalorian massacre. <laughs> but I, uh, I could be reaching. Yeah, I, I really have to get in and, and like... I should watch Clone Wars. Maybe I'll do that before, since I've got Disney Plus for another month. Maybe I'll dive into like Clone Wars and Rebels. I watched a season and a half of Clone Wars, and it was good. The problem with Clone Wars is it's a kid show, so there's a lot of filler. Yeah. I just wish there was uh, essential like plot points, like things that are relevant to later <laughs> stuff that you could watch that condenses it. Because it's like five seasons, and I think each season is like 20 episodes. Oh, it's just long. And not every episode's great. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I, I think I would resubscribe to Disney Plus for a month. Like, it's it's $7, so you're pen- essentially paying $7 for, like, one season of a TV show. So, like, I'd wait, let the season come out, subscribe for a month, watch it, cancel again. Like, 7 bucks for a season's not that bad. So Christian recently watched Little Women. Now this movie has been nominated for six Oscars including Best Picture, Leading Actress, Supporting Actress, Costume Design, Original Score, and Adapted Screenplay. Christian, did you like this one? This movie was great. This movie was a masterpiece. So I know absolutely nothing about this movie. I was told it's based I don't know, loosely or very closely to a book uh, written in the 1800s. Uh, What is the premise of this? There's a couple plots going on. Like there's, it's, it's about four sisters. They're the little women and uh, they each kind of have their own plot. It takes, there's two, two separate timelines going on. There's one when they're kids and then there's one seven years later when they've all gone their separate ways. And so when they're kids, there's really just one story and it's about how they're, just kind of making their way in Civil War era Massachusetts while their dad is off fighting for the Union. And their neighbor is, like, ultra-wealthy, and so that creates drama and tension about, like, oh, we sh- one of us should marry him and, and secure our, like, financial future and stuff. And then in the, the seven-year forward timeline, it's just about where they are in their relative lives and, like what uh, hardships and things they're having to deal with in in their own lives so do you know who stars as the sisters yes so the oldest is meg that's emma watson um then joe is sorcia ronan the third one amy is florence Pugh, and the youngest one beth is eliza scanlon who i've never i don't think i've seen in anything else the other three are pretty big names 
Uh, their mother is played by Laura Dern, and their mean aunt is Meryl Streep. So, uh, as I briefly mentioned, two of these actresses have been nominated for Oscars. Do you, who, I guess, do you know which two it was, and then who do you think has done the best job in their role? Yes, uh, Florence Pugh is nominated for Best Supporting Actress, and Saoirse Ronan is nominated for Best Actress. Honestly, let, let me even just pull up the, the list of the other people who are nominated for best actress. I got it right here if you want it. Here it is. Uh, honestly, we've got the the woman from Harriet, uh, Cynthia Irvino. You've got Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Charlize Theron and Bombshell, Renee Zellweger and Judy up against Saoirse Ronan f- for best actress. <sighs> she deserves it. Like, I've honestly at this point seen none of the other four movies on that list but Saoirse Ronan deserves it like her performance in this movie was unreal uh so she she plays the main sister what is that sister's storyline so she is yeah she's like the main protagonist she's the the second oldest but her story is she's just a like a writer and a playwright and she moves to New York and is determined to make her own way without needing to, to have a marriage to anyone. And so she like she spurns Timothy Chalamet, who is the, the rich neighbor who's in love with her, and she just moves to New York to, to kind of do her own thing and make her way. And then she's uh, brought home when one of her sisters gets sick. And then what is the storyline for the other other three sisters? Are they prom- as prominent as her storyline? Amy is probably the, the second most prominent. Uh, that's, that's Florence Pugh. She moves to Paris with Meryl Streep and strikes up a romance there. And so she has a, a kind of parallel story going on. The other two aren't as, uh, aren't as heavily featured. Emma Watson's character is married to a, a poor tutor. And so her story is mostly just about her and her kids and struggling with being on the brink of poverty. And then uh, Beth is the one who stays home. And she's like the she's like the nice sister. They, they all have their their quirks, but Beth is like the the good peer one. And she stays home and helps her mom and like helps feed the 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 poor and the homeless. Gotcha. So it sounds like you enjoyed this. No, I guess number one, going into it, were you expecting to like it? And then number two, what made you like it so much? I wasn't really sure what to expect. I'm I'm not always a big fan of period pieces, which this certainly is. Um, but I liked most of the people in it. I like Laura Dern. I like Meryl Streep, and I I obviously really like Saoirse Ronan and Emma Watson and. Florence Pugh is growing on me, though I haven't seen her in very much yet. I'm I'm never gonna watch Midsummer ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bob Odenkirk plays the dad, which was shocking to me because I've never seen him in anything even resembling a serious role. But there he was, all of a sudden. But I mean, oh really? <laughs> yes. But I really can't say enough about this. the The story was compelling in a way I didn't expect it to be. Everybody that was in it was on top of their game, especially the the four sisters. They they were really bringing it. The music was incredible. The cinematography was incredible. Like, I, I honestly, I can't wait to watch it again. Like honestly, it's it's funny. It's funnier than I expected it to be. Like I, I really expected this to be a fairly serious movie, and I was laughing a bit. <laughs> huh. 
Like there's this ridiculous scene when they're kids and they're they're all dressed up and pretending to to be in a play that Joe has written and they like the two two of the sisters have big pipes in their mouths and they like knock them together like they're toasting with them and it's it was it was just a a fun movie. So you're you're clearly a fan. Do you know how this is faring uh, with the critics? It's faring really well. Like it's it it got the best act or it it, uh, it got the best picture nomination. And the the critics seem to reflect that the Rotten Tomatoes is at a ninety five percent, audience is at a ninety two. I'm I'm right up there with them. Like ninety five sounds perfect. Yeah, and what what actually surprises me about this is the budget was forty million million box office. They've made eighty six point six million domestically and one hundred thirty point nine million worldwide. Period pieces like this, even if they're acclaimed, I don't usually think they succeed like this. Yeah. I don't know if it's it's a full cast, so I don't know if that's what brought it in or if it's just word of mouth. But yeah, they they made double their budget back just in the U.S. and and well more than that overseas. So it was a it was a big release for them. So I think I know the answer to this one, but would you recommend our audience check this out? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I I'll, I'd recommend it to everyone. I didn't expect to to like it as much as I did, and I I came out of it raving even with like when when i watched it our theater had like technical difficulties and i still walked out of it very pleased and finally this week we're going to discuss briefly the oscar nominations and if we think anyone was snubbed now, Christian, I think these Oscars are pretty concentrated on nine movies. The best picture nominees were Ford vs. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. And if you break these down, they it, like by total nominations between categories, there is 122, I think, total nominations. And these nine movies account for, I think it was either six between 68 and like 72. So more than 50% of the nominations are in these, these nine movies. So they, they really have dominated this, especially taking into account 10 to 20 of uh, the 120 or odd actual nominations are include documentaries, shorts, live action shorts and animated movies and music like they these movies dominated the oscars this year uh, at least for nominations yeah i mean it's crazy that only like 15 movies came out in 2019 right right and it's it's weird these when these were coming out i was not expecting joker to uh have as much popularity going into the oscars as i thought it or as it is now 11 Grant, i haven't seen it 11 but. nominations for that turd of a movie yeah so they have a, a joker has 11 1917 has 11 ford vs ferrari has four the irishman only has well it has only has nine jojo rabbit six little women six marriage story six and then parasite six so few movies came out this year that Scarlett Johansson is nominated for two different awards. Best act, best uh, actress and best supporting yep. actress, right? 
Uh, Marriage Story came out of nowhere, honestly, Christian. I won't have to watch it because it's on Netflix, so it's easy to watch. I, I'm really. It must be good. I'm really surprised to see it up there. Yeah, I've I've heard ups ups and downs about it. It's like I had never heard about it until all of a sudden it was there. Like it came out and everyone went crazy over it, but there was there seemed to be no build up to it. Like I didn't see anything. I didn't see any previews for it even on Netflix. Maybe I just wasn't on Netflix that much in the lead up to it, but yeah, all of a sudden it was all over the place on on Twitter and I just kind of blindsided me another surprise for me too was jojo rabbit i remember that being in theaters and thinking oh i should go check this <laughs> out i did not know it was like an oscar contender yeah i didn't really know what to expect from that either actually same with ford vs ferrari i'm i'm surprised it's on there too it seems like uh the internet saying uncut gems got got uh screwed out of a nomination. yeah i wish our theater would have gotten that I, I was really interested to see it and, I mean, we both watched Ford versus Ferrari. Never in my wildest dreams did I think it was going to be an Academy Award contender. Same, like, I will say, I, I did not think it would be Best Picture. I thought Christian Bale was amazing in it. I thought he actually might get a nod for leading actor, but he, he yeah. didn't. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I walked out of Little Women, and I thought to myself, like, this is going to be a, a, a nominee for Best Picture, absolutely. I, I was sure 1917 was going to be just because you know that's how it works but yeah walking out of ford versus ferrari i thought like that was good but never in my wildest dreams did i think it would be a best picture nominee right so do you think anyone got snubbed well yes so <laughs> little women has all these nominees or has all these nominations for all these various categories we got two actresses in it but like, greta gerwig crushed the direction on this like this movie would not have been as good as it was without her at the helm and i mean she already has an academy award for um ladybird yeah. right she already has an academy award for ladybird so it's not like she's some like outsider that they didn't want to deal with but i i was astounded that she didn't get a nominee for this yeah I, I so our goal for people listening is to end up trying to watch as many of these best pictures as we can because uh, they're actually pretty easy to watch this year parasite once upon a time in hollywood and joker you can definitely rent uh, little women is still in theater as of this week so is 1917 marriage story and the irishman are both on netflix Jojo Rabbit, I think you might be able to rent that, but I, I'm not it's, sure. And then Ford, Ford vs. Ferrari is kind of in no Jojo Rabbit's kind of in Twilight Zone right now. Like, it was in theaters back in November, I think it was. And so it's it's kind of bounced back out as part of the, like, Academy Award nominee run. I know it's it's in a theater not far from where I am right now. But, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Unless it's been re-released in a theater near you, you may have some trouble finding that one. Right, but at least like seven of the nine, you can see. Yeah, yeah, and and so we're going to try and try and hit. I them. had kind of come to peace with the fact that I probably was not going to watch Irishman or Marriage Story just because sometimes it's hard for me to force myself to push the button on these, even if they seem interesting to me. But now that there are these, they're on this list. I'm going to have to. <laughs> Yeah, I, I forced myself to watch Irishman last week, and I don't want to get fully into the story because we're going to do an episode on these, but it was good. 
And it's one of those where I have a hard time recommending people watch movies over two hours. And this was three and a half. But it, you know, it was good. If you like those types of movies, like put it into two settings, I guess. But man, it, it reminded me a lot of like the Goodfellas or something like, you know, like, you know what you're getting into with it. While good, it does seem a little bit like a rehash for Scorsese. Yeah, like, oh, for sure. There's There was no world where I was going to just sit down and watch The Irishman. Like, that's going to be, th- I think, three viewings minimum. I I thought too, man. I ended up just powering <laughs> through because I wanted to get yeah, it over yeah, with. Enough. It was like my it was last Thursday for me or something. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get on to our predictions at a later episode. The other one, the the two popes uh, also is streaming on, uh, I think Netflix. So most of, a lot of the Oscars this year you can see relatively easily. Yeah, currently. and I mean just just briefly back onto like surprises and and letdowns like. We got uh, Todd Phillips is nominated for Joker for Best Director. Get him off that list and throw Greta Gerwig on there. It's crazy. He like he he gave an interview where he was complaining about how hard it was to make movies like the movie he wanted to make when like and casually forgot that Heath Ledger literally won an Oscar for playing that character like ten years ago. So, I'm going to have to watch Joker before I talk about it. I just think... I don't think the character works well alone. I feel like you need Batman there, but who, who knows? I'll, I'll save my full judgment on it. It does definitely seem like the black sheep of these nominations to me. And I'm going to be so mad if the Joker is finally the comic book movie that wins Best Picture. Because there, I, there are so many good comic book movies... And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Joker is not probably the best comic oh, book movie. I mean, yeah, I have strong opinions on the Joker. <laughs> I, I intentionally didn't talk about it much on this podcast, but I mean, it, we can get into it a little bit when we do our full Oscars episode. The only other thing I wanted to, to say as far as snubs goes was Frozen 2 didn't get on the list for best animated feature. And I, I get that like it's a sequel and Disney sequels aren't necessarily always viewed in the best light but i think it it at least deserved to be on the list do you know who cleaned up on animated features is netflix yeah they i mean they have two of the five on like two things they they created of the five on there uh but we talked about how to train your dragon that's on there i did really like that one yeah and I, i would be thrilled if that one but toy story 4 is on there too so the the a uh, competition a few years back between Toy Story 3 and How to Train Your Dragon 1 was the reason that I finally went, like, full hate mode on the, the Toy Story franchise. <laughs> so I'm not exactly looking forward to how that's going to shake out this year. Missing Link is on there, which I didn't get to see, but I think that's the one that won the Golden Globe for Best Animated Feature. And it's it's a Leica movie, and I really, really like Leica movies, so I'm going to try and find that one at some point as well before the Oscars actually happen. I've not, I actually don't remember missing Link at all. Uh, so one thing that, I, one movie that I'm surprised has not had more buzz uh, on this, it has only been nominated for one thing in cinematography, was The Lighthouse. I, I really wanted to see this one, but I remember when it came out, uh, there was a lot of chatter on the internet about it getting some Oscar nods, and it only got one. Yeah, it did seem, like, I, I watched the preview, and it did seem like it was kind of a ward bait, and they didn't bite. 
One other film that I'm I'm really surprised about, I thought it would also get more than the single not it did for Best Original Screenplay, was Knives Out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That movie deserved to be on a bunch of these lists, for sure. I think Rian Johnson deserved to be on there for Best Director. I thought Daniel Craig probably deserved to be on there for Best Actor. Uh, yeah, I would at least put him Supporting Actor. Who was... I cannot remember the girl who was the main lead. I thought Anna she was the Armas, great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I put her as best actor or not, the but whole cast, I, that, right, that movie, I've, I really think that movie should have had uh, more nominations than yeah. it does. guys thanks for listening to our episode before we head out christian what are you going to be checking out this week uh i'm gonna be trying to do a couple things i i keep promising i'm gonna watch witcher and i i think this is the week i, th- I think this is gonna be it <laughs> i got real sucked into the first and second seasons of you on netflix which i'm definitely gonna be talking about next week because oh boy um i'm fully making a commitment and i'm picking the the movie for this week to be the movie velocipaster on Amazon Prime. And just just to get a little bit hype for next week's episode, I'm going to read the uh, synopsis that Prime has listed for this movie. After losing his parents, a priest travels to China, where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first horrified by this new power, a prostitute convinces him to use it to fight crime, and ninjas. It oh has four stars. Is this is this like a like a, a an intentional B movie or is this like an I have no movie? idea. It's an hour and ten minutes. It's got four out of five stars on Prime. Like I haven't been this excited to watch a movie and I don't know how long. <laughs> All right, man. We'll have to check it out. That sounds great. Uh, otherwise, you know, not not much. So I'll be pretty preoccupied this week. If I get a chance to do anything, I'll probably play some video games. Uh, currently still going through The Division 2. I actually made a lot of headway. I'm almost done with the main story, and then I started looking into the requirements for the Platinum, and it's a lot. This might be one that I don't <laughs> Platinum and just do a review on because it's I'm it's it's wearing out its welcome, and it it's a 100 gigabyte size, so it takes up a, a fourth of my PlayStation uh, hard drive capacity which is really annoying mm. um i've slowly been working through yakuza zero still which i love i picked up the game a hat in time which is a 3d platformer that's pretty awesome so far i actually think it's way better than ukulele they're kind of in the same vein and then i also started playing bloodborne i, I i've always wanted to beat that i've i've done demon souls dark souls and then platinum dark souls 3 last year i've tried twice again to bloodborne and couldn't do it I, I feel like after beating those games now now is the time for me to do it it seems like the one i should be into most because it's like lovecraftian horror like um victorian england style setting i love the setting i just for whatever reason the previous times i could not could not do it so there will be that, and then continuing along with Oscar nominations, definitely we'll be watching Marriage Story at some point because it is free. Well, it's on Netflix, and then I will be running Joker at some point just because it has so many nominations. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
right, guys, thanks for listening to our episode. If you would like to contact us, you can email us. We're gambots.blog at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter also. We're at Gambots Network. Otherwise, we've started um, posting our old episodes on YouTube if you want to check them out there. And we've started doing 200-word reviews on Medium that we usually post to our Twitter so you can find some reviews that we talk about on the show and a few that we've not actually talked about on the show. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.